a lot about lions, don't I? I mean, you guys that have been here for a while, I don't know what it is with lions. If you look on my computer screen, I've got a big picture of a lion. I've got pictures in, of lions all in my office. The canes brought me this little lion today. It's very intimidating. <laughs> but, but the truth is, you know, I like lions. And, and lions have two connotations in Scripture. There's really two, t- two types of lions. There's lions that represent the eating people kind of lions, Okay the hungry ones. And then there are other kind of lions. It talks about Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the power and the majesty of lions. Lions have that connotation to us. We all understand that, I mean, they're the king of beasts, you know? I mean, when a lion shows up, they're cool. And and I mean, their color's cool. They have that big hair, you know? I mean, they kind of look like Farrah Fawcett. They've got, you know, hair everywhere. And some of the teenagers are going, who is that? But, but you know, they, they, there's just something about all the hair that they have, and, and lions are awesome. But we're going to talk today about Daniel and the lion's den, and we're not going to just talk about Daniel's lions, we're also going to talk about your lions. Daniel and the lion's den, but not just Daniel's lions, Daniel's lions and yours too. If you've got your Bible, lift them up this morning. Repeat after me, say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. 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 Today, Today, I'll be taught God's Word. word. It's His truth truth. transforming Transforming. every part of my life. life. And I'll never be the same. same. In Jesus' name, name. amen. 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 You know, I talked to, uh, really, I guess my favorite guy in the Bible or sermon series in the Bible is the Lion Chasers. You know, where Benaiah, y'all have heard me talk about the, the story about Benaiah. If you haven't, it's worth going on to the website and listening to. Benaiah is one of the obscure guys in the Old Testament who you really never hear about, except in a couple of places. And Benaiah was out taking a walk one day and ran into a lion, chased the lion into a snowy pit, jumped down in there and killed the lion. Eventually, because of facing his lions, he ended up becoming the head of King David's bodyguard, and I mean, the head of your bodyguard's got to be the best of the best of the best, right? And here was Benaiah. He was kind of at the top of the food chain of people you want around you when things go wrong. Uh, Benaiah not only was King David's head of the bodyguard, he also was King Solomon's head of the bodyguard. So this guy, because of him facing his lions, it set him up for the rest of his life. And I want you to understand today that the, the reality of you facing a lion is probably in the natural never, ever going to happen, and everybody said... Amen. It wouldn't be fun to walk outside and see a lion in the parking lot. We'd all, ah, you know, and run away, and it would be bad. But I only have to beat you if you're slower than me. That's all that's important. Just find the slowest guy, kick him, and take off. I mean, that's the way you do that. But the reality is we're probably not going to face any real lions in our life. But the, the truth is, and I think even harder than sometimes real lions, are the lions in our lives that are maybe our sin or our addictions, or our past. And there's these, these things in our life that are these big, huge lions, and we don't know how to defeat them. And, and we're going to talk today about the lions that Daniel faced, but I really do want to dig a little bit into the lions that we face. Because the truth is, until you deal with your own lions, you're never going to be the person that God's called you to be. And the natural inclination that most of us have is that we want to run away from lions. I mean, I don't even need a lion. I run away from a snake this big, okay? 
I mean, we all have the fears. You know, Tricia doesn't like spiders a whole lot. I mean, we all have maybe these phobias that we have in our lives. But the truth is, if emotionally and spiritually and even relationally, you don't deal with these big intimidating lions in your life, you're never going to really end up anywhere. Because the truth is, the devil's going to always put those lions in your path. He's going to make sure that you intersect with your lions. But I don't want to just lay it at the devil's feet. Really, I think God allows these lions to come into our lives. And he wants us to defeat them. Let me tell you about King, uh, excuse me, Daniel a little bit. Daniel, as you know, is one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. He's one of the greatest guys in the Bible. And I don't have time to cover all the neat things that he's done. He's, he's one of the real large prophets as far as having a big chunk of the Bible. Very well-respected well man. But Daniel had been serving the kings of Babylon for years. As a matter of fact, when this story was written about Daniel in the lion's den, he had been serving these kings for 90 years. He's 90 years old when this happens to him. So Daniel was serving under King Darius. If you study your history, you know who King Darius is. And like many of the kings before him, King Darius recognized that there was something special about Daniel. Daniel seemed to really be head and shoulders above everybody else around him. Like Joseph, he just seemed to have this connection with God. He knew the right things to say and do. He was a great leader, but more than anything, he heard from God. So King Darius grew very, very fond of Daniel. They became very close. And as a matter of fact, King Darius said to Daniel, you know what, I've decided, Daniel, I'm going to make you number two in the kingdom, just like Joseph. He said, I'm going to make you number two in the kingdom. How many of you have ever been around anybody that was jealous of you? Maybe it was your good looks and charm, whatever it was. But these people would look at you and they were jealous of what you had. And what happened with Daniel is all these other leaders that were around him, when the announcement came that Daniel was going to be promoted to number two in the kingdom, they did not like that at all. As a matter of fact, they sought ways to discredit him. And, and so they, they went back and they looked through his history and they tried to literally trap him doing something wrong so that they could get him kicked out. Because they were all jealous. They wanted his position. They wanted his authority. And they couldn't find anything. He didn't have any hang-ups. There was no sin in his life. There were no skeletons in his closet. Matter of fact, he didn't even have a closet. I mean, this guy was squeaky clean. They could find nothing. But the one thing about Daniel's life that was more consistent than anything else is that he spent time with God every day. And he spent time with God every day at certain times. And they began to notice this. So these guys were really, really sneaky. And what they decided they were going to do is they couldn't catch him doing anything wrong, so they had to trap him. And so they went to King Darius, and they said, King Darius, and remember, he's, he's not a Christian or didn't believe in God. He was just this king that loved himself, like many of us. And, and, and they said, hey, King Darius, we've got this idea. Why don't you make this rule that people cannot pray to their God? They have to pray to you. They have to pray only to you. And they kept telling him how great an idea this was. And he says, that sounds pretty good to me. So, so let's do that. And he made this rule that said, if you pray to anybody other than me, you're going to get killed. And they spread it out in the land. And then they waited to see what was going to happen. Guys, I mean, it's like no time at all. They, they're spying on Daniel. And sure enough, at Daniel's prescribed time, he still goes and he prays to our God. And when he does that, they catch him, and they drag him before King Darius, and they say, King Darius, we caught Daniel praying to his God. The rule says, the decree says, if anybody does that, they have to be put to death. 
Well, it totally freaked Darius out. Totally freaked him out because he loves Daniel. I mean, they're close friends. And, and he realizes he's been trapped. But here's what's interesting about the law of the Medes and the Persians at this time. When a king set a law, he could not go against the law, okay? His own law. So he became subject to the law that he created, which I really think is kind of a good idea, you know? Sometimes we know kings or presidents or other people that kind of change the rules, but we won't talk about that today. But anyway, he gets in here and, and he realizes he's been trapped by his own vanity. And he can't change the rules. And the guys that have set this up realize they've got him. Daniel's going to be out of the way. And they said, well, what's the punishment going to be? The punishment is going to be we're going to throw you into a pit with a bunch of lions that are hungry. And that's how we're going to kill you. Well, I want to tell you, I mean, personally, that's not on the top 10 list of my ways to die. And Daniel was 90 years old, and I'm sure it was not on the top of his list. And so... That's where we start our story today. They take him over, they take him to this big pit, and they drop him down in the pit. And, and here's what the king says. If you look at your notes, we'll start with Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring. What they would do is they had these rings, and whenever there was a royal decree, y'all have seen it kind of on the, uh, the old days, they would take wax and they would press their ring in there, and that was kind of their seal, you know. You've seen seals before, not the uh, uh, seals. I mean, this is the, the seal that marked things. Some of you will get the uh, uh, thing later. Um, but the, not only did the king do it, but the nobles did it. So all these people were gathered around watching this event take place. This was a big deal. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called out to Daniel and said in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in God's sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him. Because he had trusted in God. At the king's command, listen to this, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and their children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the people, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, don't mess with Daniel. No, it doesn't say that. Here's what he said. He said, may you prosper greatly. And I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of who? The God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. 
So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the, and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I want you to understand something today. Isn't that an amazing story? It wasn't that the lions weren't hungry. It was that the lions, God had shut the mouths of the lions through an angel. But you know what's amazing to me about this story is, is as amazing and as good as it was a thing for Daniel, who really was the beneficiary of Daniel not getting eaten by the lions? The entire nation. The entire nation. So if we back this up, and we really back this up, what happens here is because of Daniel's faithfulness to God, having a daily quiet time with God, a whole nation ended up hearing about God. That's amazing, guys, when you think about it. I mean, this king who's a heathen sees the power of God work through Daniel's life, and he makes a decree throughout the entire land of who God really is. Dr. Madison Surratt was a professor who taught mathematics at Vanderbilt University. Before giving a test, he would put in perspective for the students these words. Today, I'm going to give you two examinations, one in trigonometry and the other in honesty. I hope you will pass them both, but if you must fail one, fail trigonometry. There are many good people in the world who cannot pass trigonometry. I cannot spell trigonometry. I said that, not him. But there are no good people in the world who cannot pass the examination of honesty. Listen to me. It doesn't take long to realize that the really important tests in life come long after school is out, and many times the tests are painful. I'll say that again. It doesn't take long to realize that the really important tests in life come long after school is out, and many times the lessons are painful, the tests are painful. And sometimes they're pop exams. You don't really plan for them. They take us by surprise. That's why the Apostle Peter wrote, listen to this. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial that you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. The Apostle Peter also said, these trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So Daniel is now facing this great test, this huge test of his faith. And in our study, we need to understand that in our lives, there will be tests. How many of you have learned that tests really started after school? I mean, the real tests come after school. I mean, I remember growing up, I didn't like tests. I still don't like tests. But the big tests that come in our lives are not the ones that are usually written down. They're the, usually the ones that we encounter as we go along in life. And so Daniel, at 90 years old, is taking probably the biggest test of his life. How many of you have ever crammed for a test? Let me see your hands. Thank you for your honesty. How many of you are just really smart and you never had to really cram for a test? Thank you, Dennis, and I will talk to you after service for lying. <laughs> but the truth is that, that these tests that come in life a lot of times are designed, and here, look at your notes. Tests in life are often designed to confront you with the reality of your own human limitations. Tests in life are often designed to confront you with the reality of your own human limitations. Humanly, humanly speaking, Daniel's situation was without hope. 
I mean, and there are three things that prove this. Number one is the first factor was that there was the law of the day. The law said you're going to die. And there's no recourse. There was no appeal process. There was nobody he could talk to to help him. I mean, the law said you're going to die. He was guilty. The second limiting factor was that the stone was rolled over the top of this cave. So not only did the law state that he was guilty, he physically had no option to get out. Even if the law said he was innocent, there was no way to get out of the top of this thing. Physically, he was capped. That's kind of funny, capped. I didn't mean it like that, but you know what I mean. There was no way for him to escape. Here's number three. The third limiting factor facing Daniel was the placement of the royal seals. That kind of was the, the nail in the coffin as the term that we would use. So even if somehow he was able to escape the lions, somehow pry open this huge stone, which was physically impossible, but even if he could do that, even if he stood on the ground, the royal seals were there, he still was going to die. There were no options for Daniel. I want you guys to understand something. So many times in life, And I know I'm probably the most guilty person in this room. When challenges come our way, when the impossible is standing before us, I try to figure it out. I try to fix it. How many fixers do I have here today? Come on. Some of you are not raising your hands, and I know you. Raise your hands. We fix problems, especially the leaders in the room and the moms in the room. We fix problems. If there's something broken, we're going to fix it. Because fixing is what we do. You could have a business card that said, I'm a fixer. Okay? Then there are the fixer-uppers. That's everyone else. (laughs) But the truth is we want to fix the problems. And what happens is these situations come along, and, and what we tend to do is try to fix the problem ourselves. And it's only when we get to the end of ourselves that we realize we can't do it. And sometimes that can take a really long time. Can it? Have you ever noticed that? And so we tend to try to fix these problems. And and I want you to know today, Daniel had a close relationship with the king. And this story, some authors have actually said, some Bible scholars have said, this story was as much about King Darius as it was about Daniel. Because they talk about King Darius a lot. He was in anguish over this. He realized he had been tricked. And he had signed a law that even he couldn't revoke. And so he realizes his back's up against the wall just as much as Daniel's is. Now Daniel's going to get eaten. But Darius realized, I've got all these people around me who are tricking me. And if Daniel's gone, I'm stuck with these guys. So, So he realizes in a way his life is at risk too, isn't it? His kingdom is at risk. And his back's up against the wall. His hands are tied. And he was in anguish. The Bible tells us that he was up all night long worrying about his friend Daniel. You know, I want to thank you for, for some of you at different times in our relationships that have called me and said, listen, Pastor, God woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I was thinking about you. Or I was thinking about Trish. And I was praying for you. And I appreciate that. I, I appreciate it. I got a call this week. Somebody called me and said, man, Pastor, you've really been on my heart this morning. I just want you to know I've been up for a few hours praying for you. Man, guys, we need people like that in our lives. Because the truth is, I was probably sleeping, but I appreciate you praying. <laughs> but we need people that will stand in the gap. One of the terms this person used this week for me is, Pastor, I'm standing in the gap for you. 
We need people that will come alongside us, and when we're going through challenging times, not they'll point their fingers at us and laugh, but they'll be there to pick us up and carry us, and they will intercede for, to God for us. And Daniel's in a situation where King Darius is literally forced to his knees because his hands are tied too. Notice when he runs up to where the lion's den is, which I keep wanting to say tomb, there's probably a reason for that. He keeps running up to this tomb where Daniel is. He's, he's going, Daniel, Daniel, has your God saved you? And we need people in our lives that are praying, God help them. And I want to encourage you in this too, and this is big. It's not in my notes, this is big. When somebody comes up on your mind and in your heart, stop and pray for them. If somebody comes on your mind or heart, stop and pray for them. You know, I love it when somebody will just send me a text. Hey, Pastor, I was just thinking about you. You are just on my mind. And I try to do the same thing. Don't just, I called Ronnie the other day just because I was thinking about him. And, and sometimes you just get on my heart and my mind and I'm thinking about you. But I want to do more than just think about you. I want to reach out to you and let you know because I don't know maybe what you're dealing with. And we need to do that for each other. So when somebody gets on your mind or heart, stop and pray for them. God may be just putting a seed in there that says, you need to pray for them today. Thank God for them. Encourage them. We're supposed to, the scripture tells us to encourage each other, especially as the days get darker. And lift each other up. We're in this together. So Darius and Daniel are in this together. And, and I want you to know it was awesome that Daniel had somebody that was willing to stay and be there for him. At the end of verse 14, we're told that the king was greatly distressed and he determined to rescue Daniel, but he couldn't because of his own law. And I want you to know something today. I know that some of you are here today and you feel like you're facing some personal impossibilities like Daniel. You feel like you're in the pit with Daniel. And I look at Benaiah's situation, and I don't want to diminish Benaiah's situation. Benaiah jumped into the pit with a lion, but he probably had his sword and spear. Even though it was rough and it, the odds were totally stacked against him, Benaiah overcame by the power of God. And that is a cool story. Daniel's thrown in how many lions? A bunch of them. Even if some of them were really sweet, surely a couple of them were hungry. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's thrown into a den of lions, plural, bunch of them. With nothing. And he's 90 years old. Not that that's old, but he was well seasoned. And the lions probably recognized this. So when Daniel's jumped in there, he didn't even have a rock to throw at him. Impossible situation. And some of you feel like you're Daniel today. Your situation in the natural is impossible. You don't know how you're going to get out of this. Listen to me. Here's the truth. The truth is the most spiritually productive place you could ever be is in a pit with a bunch of lions. I'm going to say it again. Some of you think I'm crazy, but let, hear me out. The truth is that the most spiritually productive place that you can be is when you're in a den of lions. God allows these lions in these dens sometimes because he knows, listen to me, it is only when you come to the end of yourself that you will ever be able to taste the joys of truly knowing his presence and his power. It is only in dying to yourself that you can come alive to God. Do 
You know, if you talk to people that are thrill seekers, you know, these are the people that jump out of airplanes or do crazy stuff. If you talk to them and go, why do they do it? They say, well, many times you hear them say, I felt so alive when I was doing this. And the reason they felt so alive is because they realized they might die. You know? I mean, you know you're really alive when you almost die. <laughs> Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you look at these situations that take your breath away because you realize, man, this could kill me. And it is only when we get to those spots when we realize that our back's against the wall and the only way we're going to get out of this is if God does a miracle. You are in an amazing place because you've reached the end of yourself. And that's where God starts working. The truth is, if God doesn't remove all those things, sometimes we'll take credit for what happened. Have you ever done that before? God delivers you in a situation and you thought it was you? Well, it's because I'm smart, you know. Or it's because whatever. You know, when you've been in a situation like with Jack recently, you know, with stage three cancer, and the only option he's got is if God does a miracle. And God showed up and did one, didn't he? But, but Jack knows when your back's against the wall, and it's amazing also when your back's against the wall how other things don't really matter all that much. You know, I bet when Daniel was down there, he wasn't thinking about his camel or his TV or his Blu-ray player. You know, he probably wasn't thinking about that, was he? He was like, God, if you don't show up, I'm dead. But you know what? Whatever you want to do, Lord, whatever you want to do. So the truth is, like I said before, tests in life are often designed to confront you with the reality of your own human limitations. Here's the second point. God's tests are designed to lead you into deeper levels of dependence on him to deliver you. God's tests are designed to lead you, lead you into deeper levels of dependence on him to deliver you. In verses 19 and 20, we read this. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered and said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor do I have, any, have I done anything wrong before you. I love that. You know, D.L. Moody, the great theologian envisioned Daniel actually using one of the lions as a pillow at night. <laughs> I mean, he, he actually envisioned Daniel leaning over, finding a big fluffy lion and puffing him up and laying his head down on a pillow. But how cool must have that have been for Daniel? That an angel showed up. And those lions that were ferocious man-eating lions became as tame as kittens. I mean, can you imagine, I'm going to use a little poetic license here, but imagine if Daniel got a little cold, maybe one of the lions came over and leaned up against him. Can you imagine the purring that all those lions must have made? But seriously, they all laid, they, they just, they became his friends. It was probably kind of like Adam and Eve in the garden, huh? Where the lions just, man, hey, it's Daniel, what's up, dude? And he shut the mouths of the lions. 
So not only was Daniel, I mean, can you imagine the faith that Daniel had when this was over with? Nothing could hurt Daniel, right? What is he worried about? Hmm. Hebrews 11.33 tells us this. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. And then listen to this. Who shut the mouths of lions. In Hebrews, it talks about that hall of faith. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says this, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour him. And then it says this, Resist him, standing firm in the faith. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is, a vic- this is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our, what? Faith. So triumph over trials in our life. When you're in the den with the lion, what's going to overcome your challenge? What is it? Faith. Trial over temptation in your life is by faith in God. That's how Daniel triumphed and stood strong. But let me ask you this question. Do you trust God like Daniel did? Do you trust God like Daniel did? We are often terrified by the situations that we find ourselves in. Our faith in God is so weak. So how do you have a Daniel kind of faith? How do you face a pack of ravenous lions and still trust in God? And here's the point of today's sermon. This is the point. It's been said that God's prescription for the increase of faith is, know me better and you will trust me more. Know me better, and you will trust me more. Daniel set aside regular times daily to spend with God in prayer relationship. Daniel had a relationship with God. You know, I I asked you earlier, who likes to cram for the test? Who are the last-minute people? And there's a bunch of us that are that way. And let me tell you something, the time to build your faith is not during a crisis. When you're going into a crisis, you better have it beforehand. Your faith better be there beforehand. You know, when a tornado's coming, now is not the time to go out and build a shelter, is it? Right? That's poignant, isn't it? The time to have a shelter is not, oh, a tornado's coming, I better go dig a shelter right now. No, the time, you better have had that done ahead of time. And that's how it is with your faith. And you know, guys, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody, but many of us go through life and, and we don't, we're not spending our daily time with God like we should. And then these crises come. And listen, crises usually are not planned events. And these, these tests come. And we're scrambling to find our faith. And that's not the time to do that. Now, here's the deal. When you look at what Daniel was doing, it was just his daily relationship with God. There was not a manual that said, listen, Daniel, one of these days, they're going to throw you in a lion's den and you need to get ready. Daniel just built a relationship with God. And his faith was so strong, even being put into a lion's den did not faze him. And he's a person just like you are. Just like me. Charles Spurgeon once said, be great believers. Little faith will bring your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven down into your soul. 
And I've been talking about it recently. A lot of us just want enough faith to get to heaven. But the truth is, if we're going to be overcomers and succeed in this life, we need to have a lot of faith. We've got to have enough to overcome the challenges in this life. And I want you to understand that this is not a mystical or magical thing. It simply comes by developing a relationship with God. That's it. I mean, I'd love to tell you today that, wow, you know, here's how you, you know, take these three pills and you'll have great faith, but it doesn't work that way. Faith comes by being close to God. And that only comes through relationship. And no one can do that for you. You have to choose. And I'll tell you why this is important. We're going to start a series this, this summer that Trish is going to teach. And it's going to be about how to study the Bible. You know, I can stand up here all day and say, you need to have a daily quiet time, which is Christianese. But what I'm saying there really is you need to learn how to develop a relationship with God. See, some of you have been in relationships that have not been good. You don't know what that means. When I say develop a relationship with God, you don't know how. You want to, but you don't know how to do it. And it's unfair of me to ask you to do something that you don't know how to do. So here's what we're going to do. Starting on Wednesday night, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday, Trish is going to teach a series this summer. And if you'll come every Wednesday night, we're going to teach you how to have a quiet time. I do this for two reasons. One is because I want you to know how to do it. And everybody should come. And we'll help you learn how to study the Bible. Here's the other reason. I want to take away all of our excuses. And there's a lot of them. I don't have time or the Bible's too hard to read. Guys, we live in an age and a generation. Some of you have a cell phone that is more powerful as far as information goes than a World War II battleship. And you've got the Bible with you wherever you want to go with every kind of commentary that ever existed. It's just a matter of us setting aside time because I want you to understand something. I'll tell you why I didn't go do the run yesterday. I'm just going to confess. They, they asked me to go do the lizard lick run. They don't have enough paramedics there for me. <laughs> I knew I'd look like a mud turtle out there. I mean, it, it would have, you know, ready, go. You know, that would have been the end of it. I was not in shape enough to go run this thing. Right? I heard you say amen. I'll talk to you later. But, but the truth is, many of us approach life that way. We're not prepared spiritually for the challenges that we're going to face. And you know whose fault that is? It's our own fault. Listen, I'm going to simplify this for you. Jesus died for you. The bridge between us and God has been rebuilt. There are no good excuses. And of all generations, this one has the least amount of excuses. It's about discipline, and it's about making God a priority in your life. You know, the people that I spend a lot of time with in my office over the course of the years are those that are facing challenges, and they face the same ones over and over again, and it's a matter of building their faith. They don't have a strong relationship with God in certain areas of their life, and so when the challenges come, when the lions come, they run. And they don't have that kind of faith. Let me tell you something. It's your choice. So I want to make it easier to, for you. Y'all, I am giving this to you on a silver platter. Show up Wednesday nights, and we're going to teach you how to study the Bible. And we're going to remove that. 
And then you're going to be able to build that daily relationship with God, that faith. So when the storms come, when the lions come, you're going to be ready. Listen to this story. I love this. There was a grandfather walking out with his grandson one day. And the grandfather looked over at his grandson and said, how far do you think we are from home? The boy said to his granddad, I don't know, little bitty kid. He says, I don't know. The grandfather asked the grandson, said, well, where, where are you? Again, the boy looked up at his granddad and said, I don't know. <laughs> the grandfather chuckled and said to him, well, it sounds to me like you're lost. The young boy looked up at his grandfather and said, I can't be lost. I'm with you. <laughs> you know, that young, that young boy, he was with his granddaddy. Granddad, I'm not lost. I'm with you. Well, where are you geographically? I don't know. I'm with you. And you're going to take care of me. Doesn't matter where we are. Let me tell you what. That's the kind of faith and the kind of relationship that you need to have with God. That, that the kind of faith that says, hey, we're going into a den of lions. Or are you going to be there with me? I said I'd never leave you or forsake you, didn't I? Yep. Then I guess we're going into a lion's den. Yep. Are you scared? Nope. Why? Because you're with me. That's faith. But it's up to you. So decide today that you're going to make an effort to draw close to God. Decide today that you're going to be that kind of person. If you're not the kind of parent that you want to be, then you need to draw close to God. If you're not the kind of business person you want to be, draw close to God. You know, the answer is always draw close to Jesus. That's always the answer. Stay close to the shepherd. Always. And the way you do that is by reading his word and getting to know him. You know, Ronnie made a comment the other day. We, were, we did the baptismal service, and wasn't that awesome? And, and you know, everybody's coming up out of the water and, and excited. And, and some of the stories, y'all, are, are just amazing. Jennifer, can I tell your story real quick, if you mind? You know, Jennifer and her family started coming to the church. They moved down here from Michigan because it was really warm. <laughs> now, they moved down from Michigan a few months ago to raise their family down here. And eight years ago, her brother died of an addiction, drug addiction. And her family really struggled in their relationship with God. So for eight years, the last eight years, she really had distanced herself from God. And on Easter Sunday, they came to church here. And God started rebuilding that bridge in her life. And now her whole family's rededicated their lives to the Lord. And they're drawing close to God again. Give God praise for that. So you don't know what's going on around you. But here's the comment that Ronnie made to one of the guys. He didn't know I was listening, I don't think. One of the guys was excited. He came out. Guy had baptized. Man's made his dedication to Jesus. And Ronnie said this. Now that you've been baptized and you've dedicated your life to the Lord, remember people are watching you. People are watching you. And you know why people are watching you? Because they're looking for something real. Because they're in a den of lions, and they don't know what to do. And they know that religion doesn't work. They need a relationship with a real God. And, and hear this. 
hear this. Daniel's relationship with God changed an entire country. Because of his faith and him facing his personal lions, it changed an entire country. So don't think your relationship with God doesn't matter. Your relationship with God may determine not only, obviously, your salvation, but the salvation of all these people that you go to school with and you work with and people that are in your family. And how real God is to you matters to all of them as well. Because your life may be the only Bible they ever read. You've heard that, but it's true. And people are looking at us and going, what's different about them? But if you have a relationship with God, something will be different. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for people uh, like, like Daniel that just have this amazing relationship with you. We talk about, Lord, about faith. Lord, give me faith. Lord, give me faith is what we say. Lord, I need faith to overcome this situation. Or I need faith to overcome that thing. That's not what we need. What we need is a relationship with you. Because if we have a relationship with you, then you're going to give us the faith that we need to overcome anything. And this is a word for some of you today. Listen. He who has ears right now, listen. Some of you are praying about situations that you need God to help you with. And here's what I want to tell you today. Your answer is to draw close to God. Instead of begging him to help your pro- fix your problem, which by the way, he wants to do. Draw close to him. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I want to have a relationship with you. Open the door. Let me in. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to eat with you. And and we're going to get to fellowship together. and, And I'm going to get to hear your heart. And you're going to get to hear my heart. And he's going to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother, the Bible says. Because he loves you. Right now, I want you to search your heart and some of you are crying out for answers and you need to change that to drawing close to God sing that with my 
desire no one else will do. guys it's up to us make a quality decision that you're going to spend time with the Lord make a quality decision to do that I mean when you read what Jesus said through John in Revelation he said open the door and listen what he said he said I'm going to come in and I'm going to sit down with you and I'm going to have dinner with you and we're going to eat together and we're going to fellowship together what does that sound like That sounds like somebody that wants to spend time with you. He didn't say, let's all get together and speak these, thous, and those to each other. He said, I just want to sit down with you and get to know you and fellowship with you. That sounds like somebody that wants to have an intimate relationship. And that's what he's asking you for. And the deepest desires of your heart will be found when you spend time with him. And you open up this Bible and you say, Lord, speak to my heart today. Just talk to me. And you develop that kind of relationship. Make that commitment. Amen. Let's all stand this morning.